Yes, we are here to chill your bones, scroll, crawl your skin, um, and <laughs> bump your geese, bump your geese, curdle <laughs> your blood. Oh, I was gonna say milk. Milk. <laughs> I mean, it's all scary. Just, just curdle all liquids. I'm gonna curdle nearby. all liquids within a fifty-mile radius of uh, listening to podcasts. Yeah. So be careful. Yeah. Um, before we talk about our stories this week we're going to do the obligatory talk about something else section because (laughs) launching straight into ghost stories feels a bit strange yeah um so other than halloween which we covered last week yes and it was a long time ago what have you been up to in your life (laughs) well i went to see a film at the london film festival oh snap uh which was called ghost stories invented um yeah it's based on a play called Ghost Stories, um, which I had also seen. So I went into watching this as like a kind of compare and contrasty thing, which is possibly not the best mode to be in when watching a spooky story, because I was like, oh, they changed You're analysing it, instead of indulging in the scariness. Um, But uh, my brother's girlfriend, uh, Lisa, worked on it Um. in a... um, in a kind of CGI sense, but there's not any CGI. It was that kind of that type where it's like neatening up cracks yeah. and removing things yeah. and stuff like that, um, which was cool. And I went to the screen. It's got um, Paul Whitehouse in. Who? Um, do you know who he is? No. He's the guy from like the Fast Show. Who's <laughs> like suits you, sir? No. He's in the like. He's like a. Co- he's mostly known as like a comedy actor uh-huh. from sketch shows and stuff. But he is quite talented. I think if I saw his face, yes. I'd know him. But he was there at the screening. Martin Freeman's also in it. Um, yeah, and it's by Andy Nyman. Yeah. Well, actually, Martin Freeman usually does the very same performance and everything. Yeah. But he got an opportunity to stretch his legs a little bit. Mm. So I was quite impressed with it in some senses, and it was quite spooky. It's kind of three um, ghost stories, yeah. like an anthology, but it's less, and now the second one begins, it's yeah. all kind of told in a narrative, mm. and uh, yeah. yeah. There's one, There's one like, infamous line that everyone quotes, um, which is not a spoiler, and it's funny every time you hear it, but one of the stories involves someone lost in, like, the woods... And he's on his phone, and he's, like, holding it up, and he just goes, <laughs> fucking O2! And, like, everyone in the audience goes, ha, 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 ha. And it's a bit of levity, but, um... I'm not allowed to say, actually. I'm on O2, and their signal was alright. Yeah. It's Vodafone. I think that was needless, yeah. uh, throwing O2 under the bus in that film. It's quite controversial. Um, 
But I don't know when that film comes out. At the screening, they said they had no idea when the film was actually coming out. Um, but they just released a poster <laughs> and there's some trailers. So it's coming soon. Yeah. It's good. It's spooky and yeah. British and independent. We should support mm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to the film festival as well and saw The Shape of Water. I'm very which, jealous. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Go see it when it does come out here in February. I think it's a long t- it's a long railway in the UK. I think mm. it's later this year in America. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like really amazing, um, very touching, and it doesn't end how I thought it was going to end. Mm. Um, it's just it's just really lovely, and like the look of it all is like well, everyone knows what Del Toro is good at. Like visuals and stuff, and it's like Sally Hawkins. It's just I love Sally Hawkins. Sally, um, um, just like her character, I found a lot relatable about her. Um, for me personally, I mean, obviously I'm not mute. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be doing the wrong medium here if I was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just really heartwarming in a strange way like all his films apart from Crimson Peak maybe mm. <laughs> um, and yeah the, she has sex with a fish man <laughs> <laughs> it's a good fish butt yeah it's good it's I've quirky. heard the fish butt it's good yeah I think was it Octavia Spencer yeah yeah <laughs> have you seen that thing where she's like he has that ass <laughs> <laughs> fish have good butts yeah apparently mm, well once legs do anyway <laughs> Um, I don't know about your average trout. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say they even have a butt? I would say they all have anuses. Yeah, that's not the same. But they don't have the cheek. No. No, I think the butts are just... Butts are just a necessity of having legs. Yeah. Um, Millipedes have a lot of butts. (laughs) 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 They're, They're all butts. Um, should we talk about some ghosts? Yeah. Um, I think you're first. Yes, I am. As always, I prepare images which are perfect for the podcast medium, <laughs> but I'll save it. Um, so, a uh, regular theme in my stories is the discovery of bones that then people throw out. <laughs> Stop <laughs> um, throwing bones out! This is very much the opposite, and I feel like it's a culmination of this theme, because this is about... Uh, some bones that really did stay where they were found. Um, I am doing the screaming skull <gasps> of Betascombe Manor. Gosh. I don't think I have pronounced Betascombe. Betascombe. Betacombe? Betacombe. Yeah, Betascombe. Betiscombe. Betiscombe. Or Betty's Combe, I don't know. Betty's Combe. <laughs> uh, which is in Dorset. Um, it's a small village. Uh, there is uh, an old manor house that has existed for centuries there, in one form or another. Um, and it has had many tenants, and has been redecorated many times, and furniture has come in and out, and there's been extensions and all kinds of things. But the one thing that has never been removed... Is a human skull. Which, does it scream? Sorry? Does it scream? And it does scream, I promise you. Uh, 
So, let's... And it's still there. You can go and see it. Can you hear it? Well, <laughs> let me reveal that later. Um, but first, let's cut back to the 1830s to uh, a dickbag <laughs> named uh, John Frederick Pinney. He has a silly surname, so I feel validated. Yeah. Um, he was a descendant of Isaiah Pinney. Isaiah Pinney. What's it spelled? A Z A I A H. That's a weird name. Isaiah. Isaiah Pinney. Um, who was also a bit of a jerk. Uh, he was a man who bribed his way out of being hanged, drawn, and quartered. Um, <laughs> That's quite impressive. Uh, for, he was being he was being executed for starting a failed rebellion in Monmouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he uh, bribed the executioner and managed to escape to the Caribbean. Um, where he eventually became a successful plantation owner. Oh, no. I don't like using the word successful, but that's what he did. Oop, sorry. Um, decades later, um, and our guy, John Frederick Penny, who was his descendant, um, sold all of the um, inherited estates in the West Indies, and moved back to his family home in Bettiscombe Manor, and he took with him one of his slaves, a Jamaican man whose name has not been docu- documented because the world is terrible. Um, now, some stories say that this uh, man got tuberculosis and slowly died, while others suspect he was murdered. Um, Penny was incredibly cheap, so it's likely that even if the slave had actually got ill, he was not given any kind of treatment yeah. or any care in the world. So he might as well have been murdered. Um, it happened fairly quickly. I don't think moving from uh, Jamaica to Dorset is no. quite a... a bit of a culture, well, a culture shock and weather shock. Yeah, I think they probably, you know, got the flu or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, his dying wish... Uh, was that he uh, he swore never to rest until his body was buried in his homeland. Um, if he, if my wish is to be ignored... So uh, in Jamaica or back where his family... Um, it, back home. <laughs> <laughs> my notes are very, very detailed. Okay, so and he said, um, "If my wish is not to be, if my wish is to be ignored, then the house will never know peace." Oh, I'm guessing. Guess who the skull is? I'm um, guessing he was ignored. Yeah, did Penny honor this reasonable request? Did he fuck the man? <laughs> <laughs> was buried in the local cemetery, um, and that's when the village began to experience some strange occurrences. Um, so if People are listening from America. I want to just explain how small, like, an English village is. Mm. Um, I think in American towns, everything's kind of spread out on those big, long driveways and stuff. um, In the rural kind of elements. Mm. Um, But in our towns, in our little villages, if someone were to scream from one end of it, you might be able to hear it from the other side. 
Um, like clustered then far apart from each other. Yes. Rather than just kind of spread out and then you kind of drift into another town. Mm. Um, And that's what people heard. Screaming every night came from the cemetery. Um, The people of Betascombe were woken up to uh, spine-chilling screaming, moaning and sobbing. And people's windows rattled and their doors banged. Oh my god. Um, and also these towns, when they're like little parishes, it's yeah. like a church with a cemetery and then a bunch of houses around it. Yeah. And then woods. Yeah. And this was also in the 1800s or whatever, where yeah. they would have been tiny. Um, and then there was probably the manor. And it'd be like all dark as well, with the narrow streetlights. Yeah, so you're just hear- hearing all these sounds. Um, people were terrified to leave their houses at night, and many um, even stopped going to the church. Where the cemetery was. That's a lot back then. Mm. Um, for fear of meeting the ghost. So the townsfolk had had enough. Um, they marched to Betterscombe Manor and demanded that Penny exhume the body and uh, deal with it. Um, Penny reluctantly agreed after much uh, badgering. <laughs> I've spelled that wrong. Um, and the body was removed from the cemetery and the village found peace again. Now, Pinny claimed he sent the body back to where he was asked to be sent back to. Uh, nobody's quite sure what happened to the body, but um, Pinny also acquired a skull <laughs> around <laughs> a similar time. Um, in Betterscombe Manor now, if you walk into the attic you'll see a little niche built into the chimney. A little... Yeah, an alcove? A little alcove. Um, Sat inside there is a human skull. Now, we're not entirely sure if that is the skull of the man or not. I like to say it is for the purpose of the story. Um, So even though the skull isn't buried back in the homeland, it seems to be quite happy in its own yeah. little booth, its own little thing. <laughs> it's the start of the show. Because it's quite quiet. However, when people have decided to move the skull, um, there's been a few attempts to move it into a museum, to a Dorset Rural Life Museum, which is where I found a lot of the information for the story. Um... Whenever it is left, agricultural disaster happens in Betterscombe, whatever that means. Um, And those that have taken it have all died within (gasps) a year of taking it. Oh, God. Um, So no matter what, the skull always finds its way back to its little attic. Um, And for those that try to move it now, I've said to hear a piercing scream when they do so. Oh. So it's like that audible for everyone or just in their head? I don't know. We have to go to Betterscombe and find out. can't move it. Um, But screaming skulls are a supernatural phenomenon of which there are a few. Yeah. Um, Having a skull in your house is a fairly common thing to do if you're a well-to-do lord of a manor. Mm. Um... And they have, there's many recordings of Screaming Skulls, and this is one of the first documented ones. Yeah. 
So that is the story of the Screaming Skull. Maybe it's happy there. Well, happy in air quotes. Because he did say, my body. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe his body got shipped off, then the, whatever his name was. Hmm. The guy who owned the place was like... Penny. Yeah, Penny. <laughs> was like, well, he's obviously a dick, so he kept the skull just be like, ha! It's like, it's, it's not revenge, but... Fine print. Yeah. And maybe he stopped screaming... Yeah. Petty Penny. Yeah. Maybe he, um... Uh, the skull was like, well, fair enough, I didn't specify, yeah. did I? Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be happy about it. Yeah. Anyway, here's a photo of it on a table. There's the skull. And there's Penny in his little painting. Penny I'll put, and his Penny. Yeah, I'll put that. It has a stock photo <laughs> thing all over it, but I'll try and that. I'll uh, try and put it on the thing. Also, that was quite a short story, but I found a website. When I'm researching these stories, there's either a paragraph's amount yeah. of information, or like the uh, Dorset uh, website I found it on. Um, Wherever I, wherever I left it, dorsetcountrymuseum.wordpress.com uh, was like 50 pages oh long. Oh, all about that skull? Yeah. Oh. And actually it was quite funnily written because it's all just like full transcripts of letters about the oh, skull and yeah. things. And it's always just like, were you to partake in staying in the house of the manor of the land of the... Betterscombe in the county of Dorset, then you might be forgiven for not thinking twice on the occurrence of a skull. And the, like, okay, right, right, right. <laughs> and I was typing it up last night and just mean like, okay, um, go to dorsetcountrymuseum.wordpress.com for all the detailed accounts of... For all your screaming skull needs. For all your screaming skull needs. Thank you very much. Now I'm going to settle in. Thank you. I'm going to settle in and listen to... Well, mine is themed because I was like, well, I saw the shape of water, so I was like, <laughs> there's got to be some kind of watery ghost <laughs> that I can look up. So I was looking for like ghosts, like ghosts on ships, but all we get is ghost ships, and I feel there's a distinction there. Yes. Like, because a lot of ghost ships aren't actually that paranormal. It's more just like a ghost showed up, I mean, the ship showed up with nobody on it. And I'm like, well, that's nice, but that's not really what I want. <laughs> so, and. So I kind of like spread the search to sort of ghosts near air, like what's it, what's it called? Bodies of water. Mm-hmm. And I found one called the White Lady of White Rock Lake, um, in Dallas, Texas. And now my main source for this is from a PDF website by the Southwest Ghost Hunters Association. And they did a whole investigation into this ghost, into that, and I haven't like got all of what they wrote there because some of it's quite boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, and a lot of it was like them trying to like debunk it or prove whatever. I'm like, well, I'm not interested in that. I just want to know about the ghost. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you think it's real. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, the story goes: the original legend is that in the 1920s, this place was a popular recreation spot. A man, possibly a bootlegger and his lady friend, <laughs> spent the evening on his boat at a formal party wearing full evening dress. You're technically my lady friend. Yes. <laughs> Just 
Just FYI. Could have been very harmless. Maybe they were going off to record a podcast. Very harmless. The pair heard a severe argument, and the woman ran off the boat, and then when, she, when, it, when it came to the dock, she didn't just run off into the lake. <laughs> <laughs> and she drove off in his car. She was drunk, and the road at the time would have been poor. As she approached um, where I think Lawford Drive joins onto Garland Road, I mean, I don't know where any of this is, <laughs> but just pretend I am familiar with Dallas, um, she lost control of the car and plunged into the lake, dying in the accident. And it's her spirit that people say, that people say terrorises people at White Rock Lake. Now, this is like, there was no documentation of this, like this is just a very vague story, so there's, mm. more, there's more to it. Now, she most commonly appears um, as a hitchhiker along Garland Road, as a pretty girl in evening dress soaked to the skin. She gives the address of a fashionable location back in the 20s and disappears, leaving behind a wet seat. <laughs> Which, you know, she just a bit incontinent, I don't know. That would be scarier when you're experiencing it than describing yeah, it. Yeah, and it's just like Leave a, a woman wet showed seat. up and a woman took a ride in my car and then left a wet patch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she sometimes also leaves her wrap behind, Ooh. as in like her stole or like her scarf, not like yeah. her heater. <laughs> oh, I left my wrap. Have you got, have you got it? She left her taco bell behind. I am going to completely interrupt your ghost story with a story about when I worked at Subway um, and we had this very French woman come in a couple of times and she'd go, I want a wrap. <laughs> and we always thought she said crap. <laughs> like I genuinely did say to her um the bathrooms are just there and like, I don't have someone coming in like I need a crap bit forward love um just... but no she wanted a ham wrap ham wrap sorry sorry to all the French listeners we know we have <laughs> very popular in France I love ghosts mm. so um no, the homes along Garland Road have often experienced the door ringing mysteriously. And one instance of this was in 1962, where Adele, Adele Berry, Dale, not Adele, <laughs> um, he answered the door twice, man was there. But on the third ring, his daughter opened it instead, and the rest of the family heard screaming. They all rushed over, and the daughter said she had been met with a screaming apparition that swiftly disappeared, leaving behind a puddle of water. Mm. Another encounter, published by a woman named Anne Clark in Backwards to Border, the Texas Folklore Society's publication of 1943. I want to get my subscription to that. Yeah, I'm sure it's still going. (laughs) She describes how a young couple had driven out to the shore and parked while one night in July. I don't know when, though. I'm guessing the 40s. They switched the headlights on to see a white figure approaching the car. She went straight to the driver's window and they saw she was a girl in dripping wet, sheer white dress. The spirit then spoke, saying, I'm sorry to intrude. 
and I would not under any other circumstances, but I must find a way home immediately. I was in a boat that I returned. The others are safe, but I must get home. So she got into the rumble seat, which I had to Google, because I, <laughs> I was like, what is that? And so back in the day, old cars didn't have much space, but they would have sometimes, if I guess if you were rich, they had where the boot or trunk, mm. your America, um, is they would have a fold-out chair, and but it wasn't protected. It was exposed to the elements. So, and another word for it is either the dicky seat <laughs> or the mother-in-law seat, which I think says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, if you had to, no, because ride someone you didn't like, you stuck them in the map. Mm. But like, it's just a, it's just like sitting on. It's like you're sitting on the lumber plate. Like, yeah. You're just sitting on the back of the car. Basically. But that it sounds was, amazing. It is a literal like chair that folds out. There's like okay. pictures. It was quite plush. Um, so yeah, she said, I mean, this ghost was considerate and said she didn't want to get the young lady wet. And she gave him the dress in something clip. I can't read my oct. Oct. Oak. Oak cliff. That, <laughs> that was all the way on the other side of Dallas. This is the definition of a boober. Yeah. Let's just say. It's a very polite ghost so yeah. far. Yeah. So the couple felt a bit weird about this passenger. Mm-hmm. But they, they started driving off anyway. And as they got closer, they turned around to ask for more directions. But the rumble seat was empty. And just a wet patch again was left behind. They, couldn't, they, they looked for her, but they couldn't see any sign of this girl. So they continued on to the address she gave, and knocked at the door. The man answered, and he was troubled by their story. And he replied, This is a very strange thing. You are the third couple who has come to me with this story. Three weeks ago, while sailing on White Rock Lake, my daughter was drowned. Mm. That's not all. In 1953, another encounter of the ghost was published by Frank X. Talbot in his book, Neiman Marcus, Texas, The Story of the Proud Dallas Store. So, I could gather this was a book about some famous department store or something, Mm. or general store in Dallas at the time. It might still exist. I didn't care enough about it (laughs) to to Google further. So, the main focus of his account is how great this shop is but apparently these people who ran it met this ghost because about 10 years ago sometime in the early 40s mr and mrs guy malloy don't know what her name was were driving slowly along a road near the lake at night suddenly stood in the headlights was a beautiful blonde girl who had walked up from the beach mrs malloy said stop guy that girl seems in trouble. She must have fallen in the lake. Her dress is wet. Yet you can tell that it is a very fine dress. She certainly got it from the store. <laughs> <laughs> plugging. Yeah. While you're experiencing supernatural events. The girl spoke in a friendly, cultured voice and explained it was an emergency and that she needed to be taken to an address on Gaston Avenue nearby. So this is not on the other side of Dallas. The Malloys, they were too, were too polite to ask what had happened to her, mm. so they and she didn't bother explaining. Her long hair was beginning to dry in the night breeze. 
Mrs. Malloy was now certain the dress was from their store. <laughs> Such good detail. Mm. The girl climbed into the back seat of the two-door sedan and they started the car. But, as previously, when they turned to speak to their passenger, she was gone, leaving only a damp spot in the seat. At the address, they were answered by a middle-aged man who'd, who said his daughter had worn only Neiman Marcus clothes but drowned in the lake two years before. So I think that account was an extended advertisement for this shop, basically. <laughs> yeah, they've already published that in their catalogue, like... Mm. Oh, and a bonus, like, like, horror story. Like, sort of, a weird viral campaign. Mm. Product placement. Yeah. I think we should go. Get some nice dresses. Mm. We're adding a lot of things to this uh, hypothetical podcast tour. Where we're just... (laughs) Go to to the famous Neiman Marcus store in Dallas. (laughs) Yeah. And there was another version of this, basically the same story, in the 1930s, by someone called Dr... Uh, (coughs) (coughs) Yeah. <laughs> just another placement there. No, Dr. Eka Sal? Or Salt? I don't know, it is hard. But um, there's no point in saying that because it's literally basically the same thing. <laughs> but there's another final variant that's a bit different. Mm-hmm. In the 1950s, on West Lawther Drive, which is kind of near where that first sort of basic legend. Um, sets itself. A girl and her boyfriend were driving home from prom, but he went off the road into the lake. The boyfriend swam to safety, but the girl drowned. Because he had a terrible boyfriend and didn't follow saving her. Mm-hmm. People have claimed to have seen her and her wet prom dress all along the road, hitchhiking. But like with the other appearances, after giving an address, she vanishes, leaving behind a puddle of water. Her family used to live at the address and will tell the driver the same story. And that's it. I mean, and the... Yeah, but the, the investigation page, you can see more if you're interested. Um, they basically say, oh, it's just urban legend. And, but I don't know if it... I feel it has to come from somewhere. Mm. But I think people are seeing something if they keep, see, like, hitchhiking. Yeah. Like, maybe not, like... This exact thing, but I don't know. I just feel everything has some kind of cause. I don't think it would be completely made up. Yeah, and I think people are like, I don't know. I don't know why it would keep sort of coming back. Yeah. Like, interesting. Mm. I actually find that whenever I Google uh, my stories, I find the hoax page first, yeah. or like the skeptic page first. I'm like, I do sometimes read them because I'm. I, it's interesting, and sometimes yeah. you get funny little nuggets. Um, but it doesn't. Usually, it doesn't stop the fact that people have seen something and been yeah. scared by it. Yeah. And I think that's what a ghost story is. Like, yeah. it doesn't become less scary if you find out mm. something else. It's just. I think with it coming to the door. Yeah. It's quite interesting. And like, um, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that wasn't picked up by the microphone. Um, and yeah, just if people all along that way, I mean, I guess it could be kids playing a prank because they know about this story, but it's just, I think, I mean, in all that time that lake's been there, 
I'm sure someone's drowned in it. That's mm. <laughs> awful yeah, yeah. as that sounds. And I can believe uh, shitty boyfriends yeah. um, not saving their girlfriends. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, emails. We have emails, but you've just read a story out. Yeah. So I was wondering if I should play the second half of my mum's ghost story. Yeah. Because she has another one, and I didn't show you. Yeah. I didn't um, play it last time. Yeah. Because we started talking about something completely un- unrelated. Yeah. So if I play that this time, we can do the email. Yeah. Next time? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, a few years ago... You also came home from work with a ghost story. Yes. Well, a, 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 an experience. Yes, I worked um, in Shepton Mallet. And, <laughs> Heard of it? Yeah. And um, it was a very old building. And actually, the building it was in had belonged to, well, the last abbot of Glastonbury Abbey had been born there. And which he was called Richard Whiteley. And he was the one who came to rather a sticky end because he was dragged up onto the tour at Glastonbury and hung, drunk and quartered <laughs> yeah, and killed. So he came to a rather sticky end. Uh, um, and why? Well, it was the dissolution of the... the um, because oh. of Henry VIII. Oh, yeah. So the monasteries were... Dis- and he was... Um, Him. He was killed. Yeah. Oh, Henry. Anyway, at um, this house... Um, I was, it was then turned into a shop and a cafe and that sort of thing. And it, I never found the building at all spooky, although I had been there late at night and heard chairs being moved and that sort of thing. That didn't bother me too much. But on this particular night, I was doing a deep clean of the cafe kitchen and I was standing at the sink that had a big hatch next to it. And it was probably about half past eight, nine o'clock at night. And I was just busily washing up. And then suddenly I saw this monk walking past the hatch. And I thought, well, maybe it's just a shadow. Maybe someone's turning their car outside the building. And it was just a shadow of um, that. So I went out and there was no one around. And I went to see if there was a car outside and there was no car. And that actually did freak me out. Um, And he was in a very dark habit with his hood pulled up. Um, And then I was recounting, well, I left the building, I was recounting (laughs) the story the next day. And that really did concern me because I I discovered that the monks at Glastonbury Abbey had been known as the Black Monks because they were a Benedictine order and they wore very dark habits. And I thought, yes, I saw the ghost of a monk. But I remember that one about the 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 car one. You tell with a sort of childhood excitement, but you tell that one, you actually do get a little bit freaked out. Yeah, no, but the childhood excitement. I I was about fourteen. I wasn't a child. child when the but you've told it so many times now that it's become a. Yes, but my mother, who's known for exaggerating, (laughs) still tells the tale exactly as I do. She hasn't embellished it at all. So she is telling the true thing that she saw. Yeah. And, um... But that just, when whenever I mention the monk one, you do seem visibly shaken. So that's well, I why was... I say I don't, I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, but I believe you, I don't think, you, you have genuine fright at something. 
Well, that's yes. That I I felt that I was alone in the building, and they were that close. I think if you're in a car, you feel slightly removed from it. Hmm. And I was with someone else. I was all by myself in this building. Um, I I stayed late in that building again, because on reflection, I wasn't particularly scared. It was just one of those things that gets (laughs) your heart pounding, and you think, "What was that?" And because I couldn't say, oh, it was a car turning or anything. And other people said they, you know, post this, but other people said they'd seen monks in the garden there. Or It also doesn't get, it gets a little bit scary if that was just a man walking around at night. Well, whether it was the poor old ex-abbot, I don't know. I don't know if he has a reputation of haunting people. But then Glastonbury has rather a strange reputation, doesn't it? Um. <laughs> we've, we've pretended that we've just listened to that yeah. um, we're great actors yeah anyway oh sorry oh I, I knocked over some of my husband's nail polish no it's peri peri salt those are the two things that's, you need to know about my husband that's what we're using to protect ourselves yeah like making a peri peri salt circle <laughs> <laughs> to protect yourself from Portuguese yeah. ghosts um so I'm that's Hamish about salt. what I think to say about salt what? Because, <laughs> you know, when an art attack, when <laughs> <laughs> I came up with a theory, okay. it is, it's salt-related, and you know Neil Buchanan with, like, big ones and salt? Yes. So my theory is, he was plagued by bad spirits, and so that was his way of getting, like, protecting himself, <laughs> and so making all like, these kind of salt, like, things. I think that's a really good theory, because yeah. I definitely think the head is possessed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just going to throw that in there, probably. Yeah, it's a good theory. It's a good theory. If you have any other theories about Art Attack and Neil Buchanan's actions, Mm. (laughs) um, please send them in to thepoltercast at gmail.com or your little ghost stories or recordings like my my mum's just then. Yeah, I just heard and was so scared by. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, You You tweet us at at thepoltercast. Um, Please do. Yeah. Um, Or find our individual titters. On there, I can't bother to repeat mine because it sounds like a wizard's name, according to my friend. Yeah, you can find us somehow. If you want. <laughs> um, thank you to Graham Waller for the theme music. Um, but until next, until next time, time, rest in peace. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>